Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. The Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Amen. Now, just before we turn to God's Word uh, together, just a, a reminder that on the back of your sheet this morning, you should have some prayer points, as this is our month of prayer. Uh, so please do remember to pray through uh, the prayer points. Um, and you'll also see uh, the ACORN acronym. Um, there is more about that on the website. This is about uh, asking God, is there someone you can bring to mind uh, who's out with the church, who really you want me to speak to, uh, and just to see where that goes and to be open uh, to God's call. And there's a video about that uh, on the church website. Just go under the month of prayer uh, tab. I also see this morning that we've got the prayer tree out. If you do want to pray, put the name of uh, someone on the prayer tree that you're praying for, or just initials or a first name uh, or whatever it might be, then please uh, do that uh, this morning, and we'll do, leave that up uh, for the rest of this month. So let's uh, continue to pray uh, during our month of prayer. Now, this morning, for the final time, we're considering our major themes in the Minor Prophets, and we are looking at the final Minor Prophet, and indeed the final book of the Old Testament, because we are looking at the book of Malachi. Now, as the Bible Project video made clear, which gives the kind of background uh, to these books, Malachi happens around a hundred years after the people have returned to the land. So, remember the big picture. Remember how uh, God promised Abraham descendants and a land uh, back in the book of Genesis, and how that promise was fulfilled uh, when the people of Israel were rescued uh, from the land of Egypt by the Lord and under the leadership of Moses, as we've already seen uh, this morning, and they end up uh, in the promised land. And then there is this period in the promised land where they have judges like Gideon and Samson and Deborah and Samuel. And then after that time, the people really want a king like the other nations around them. And so there is a period of kings. There is Saul and David and Solomon. However, as we know, the constant refrain during the history of the people of Israel is that they are sinning against the Lord. So in Moses' time, when the people are in the wilderness, 
When Moses receives the law from God at Mount Sinai, what are the people doing down below? They've fallen into idolatry. They're worshipping the golden calf. At the end of the book of Judges, during that period of, of Israel's history, what does it say? It says right at the end of the book of Judges, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And then in the period of the kings, though there were some good kings like David, overall the, the trajectory was, was downward. And things were getting worse and worse. So much so that during the reign of Manasseh, a particularly evil king, the Lord says this, I will bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of those who hear about it will tingle with horror. And that's, of course, why the Israelites ended up in exile in Babylon. So what we need to see is, is throughout Israel's history, there's been this constant drift from God. Yes, there have been times when they've come back for a while, but then they've drifted away again. That's been the constant refrain. And they faced repercussions for their sin by going into exile. And so they spent that period in Babylon. But here in Malachi, the people are now back. They've rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And the question is, well, what next? Now, we saw last week in the book of Zechariah that there was no king in Israel. And there was an expectation that a king was going to come, that a Messiah was going to come. And the question was, well, how and when? When is this going to to happen? And so the people are in the land. Things are not quite the same as they were before. The temple's a lot smaller. They're under pressure. There's no king. How and when, Lord, is this going to happen? When a Messiah is going to come? Now, as the video made clear, you would have thought that being in exile would have changed the behavior of the Israelites. Many of you here have got children or or grandchildren, and sometimes they're not perfect angels, are they? Sometimes they misbehave. And when they're young, sometimes you might put them on the naughty step, or you might put them in time out. And you do, why do you do that? You don't do it just because you're miserable, do you? You put them in time out or you put them on the naughty step because you hope it will make them think. You hope that it will change their behavior. It will give them time to to reflect and think that maybe wasn't the best thing to be doing. And in the same way that the whole point of the the justice system as we have it today and and time in prison is, yes, to, to punish for wrongdoing, but it's also in the hope that the person will come out a reformed person and won't reoffend. And you would have thought that this time of exile, this time in, in Babylon, would have changed the behavior of the Israelites. And now they're back in the land. But the fact is, it hasn't. Things are exactly the same as they have been before. And this cycle of sin is ongoing. It keeps going. And there's this downward trajectory. And it's into this situation that Malachi is written. And the Lord speaks. 
Because the Lord of Heaven's armies, a consistent title in the prophetic books which shows the the sovereignty and the power of the Lord, says, he says, the day of judgment is coming. That there is a day when God is going to deal with everything once and for all. Now, of course, there are two reactions to that day. We see them actually at the end of Malachi. Firstly, there is the wicked and the arrogant. The Lord says that when that day of judgment comes, that they will be consumed, roots, branches, and all, that there will be nothing left. And therefore, for the wicked, for the arrogant, this day of judgment is a fearful day. It's a day of misery. But the contrast is in verse 2. Because for those who fear the name of the Lord, there is a different reaction. Because the picture here is that that someone is coming, named here as the, the Son of Righteousness, one who brings healing in his wings. And it seems to me that this is a picture of Jesus. It's a prophecy of Jesus, the Son of Righteousness. Righteousness, of course, being the opposite of wickedness. And Jesus is the one who brings healing. What does it say in Isaiah 53? That Jesus was beaten so that we could be whole. That he was whipped so that we could be healed. Jesus is the one who brings healing in the ultimate sense. He is the one who brings this downward cycle this consistent downward descent into sin. And Jesus breaks that cycle. And those who trust in him will go free. That's the promise here. For those who fear the Lord, they will go free. You see, before, sin brought captivity. But now there is freedom. When we trust in the Son of Righteousness, and I love the imagery here, Because it says that those who trust in the Lord will leap with joy like calves led out to pasture. Now, I don't know about you, but I have no idea about farming in 400 BC. I am no expert on farming in 400 BC. Indeed, and this won't come to much surprise to you, I have no idea about farming in 2023 either. There are probably those here that are much more qualified than me. But after being in a shed over the winter, this is what happens when cows are let loose. Watch this. Can you imagine cooped up in a shed all winter? And then suddenly you're set free, set free to go in the pasture. And when you look at those cows, now you never see a cow running really, do you? But are those cows miserable? Are they? No, of course they're not. They're not miserable. They're they're joyful. They've been set free. And now they can enjoy the pasture. And so for those who fear the Lord, there is freedom. And there is victory over their enemies because God is just. Now, this is what the Son of Righteousness will bring. 
But before that day comes, what are the people to do? Well, as we come to the end of the book of Malachi, to the end of the Minor Prophets, to the end of the Old Testament, the people are to actively wait. They aren't just to sit in their hands and do nothing and just wait for the Messiah to come. That's not what they're to do. You see, what's interesting is at the very end of the Old Testament here, what do we have mentioned? Well, we have the law and the prophet. You notice that? You see, we know, don't we, that Moses brought the law, a way that the people were to live by. They aren't just to follow their own way. They are to follow the Lord's decrees because that is the best way to live out our lives. And the people are to await a prophet. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because Israel has had all these prophets following in the line of Elijah, really. And we've just looked at 12 minor prophets. But it says here in Malachi that another prophet is coming. And his name is going to be Elijah. Now, that ought to make you sit up and scratch your head and think, hold on, how can this be? I thought Elijah was one of the very first ones. But remember, if you know your Old Testament, did Elijah die? No, he didn't. Elijah was taken up to heaven by the Lord. And so there is a sense in which there is an expectation that Elijah will return. Now, we know that there was a prophet who was to come. And that that prophet came before the Lord Jesus. And his name was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is described by Jesus as the Elijah who is to come. And so John the Baptist points the way to Jesus. Now the other connection that we should talk about here is the transfiguration. Do you remember that in the New Testament? Remember when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, takes them to the top of a high mountain, and he's transfigured, he's transformed, he becomes bright white. And as he becomes bright white, who's there with him? Moses and Elijah. And so in the transfiguration, it's made clear that Jesus is the Messiah who has to come and who was prophesied all these years ago in Malachi. Because there's Moses, there's Elijah. It's kind of like, come on, disciples, take the hint. This is Jesus, the Son of Righteousness. So we see that John the Baptist has been the one who prepares the way. We see Jesus appearing with Moses and Elijah, saying, I am the Son of Righteousness. And if we know our Gospels, we know that when John the Baptist came, that he preached a powerful message of repentance and that he pointed towards Jesus. And when Jesus appears with Moses and Elijah, he's basically saying to the disciples who are there, look in your Old Testament, Moses and Elijah spoke about me. And so here, right at the end of the Old Testament, what do we have? We have a prophecy that a day is coming. A day is coming when the cycle would finally be broken. 
because it's increasingly clear that the Israelites keep falling back into idolatry and sin. They can't help themselves. And here at the end of Malachi, we see prophesied that Elijah would come, and that's John the Baptist, and that the Son of Righteousness would come, and that's Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who will break the cycle of sin, who brings healing, who brings freedom. Now, as we thought about last week, the prophecy here we see fulfilled in the New Testament with Jesus. So when the people of Malachi's time see this prophecy, they don't know when it's going to be fulfilled. But in the New Testament, we see it fulfilled in Jesus. And so we might look at this passage today and think, well, it's got no application for me because Malachi is speaking about Jesus and Jesus has already come and we live 2,000 years since Jesus has come. And yet there's much that applies to us today, isn't there? You see, for those in the time of Malachi, the day was coming, a day of judgment, and it came with Jesus. But even though Jesus has come and paid for our salvation, we're still living in this age, aren't we, where there is still sin. And everything Jesus bought and brought has not yet been fully realized. We know, and we don't have to go too far to see there is still darkness in our world. That there is still blackness in our own hearts. And Jesus himself said that a day would come. A day of judgment. A day of reckoning. Now, what's your reaction to that day? For some, it's fear. Oh, I don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about that end of time when, you know, judgment's going to come. For some people, it's fear, and maybe it should be. Because wickedness will be dealt with. But I want to say to you today, if you are a believer in Jesus... There ought to be no fear. Indeed, there ought to be joy. The God's purposes are being worked out. You see, even though we're all sinners, that no one reaches God's perfect standards, that every day each one of us breaks the first commandment, no matter how hard we try. The joy of being in Jesus is that Jesus breaks the cycle of guilt, of misery, of defeat. And instead, what does Jesus bring? He brings forgiveness, peace, joy, hope, so that when that day comes, the day of judgment, the day of reckoning, we have nothing to fear. Why? Because as Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. You see, the righteousness of Jesus has been imputed upon us. So that when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And so there is nothing to fear. So when you look at this passage today, do you do so thinking, well, this passage is not really relevant to me. It's all in history. Or do you look at it and say, well, actually... 
Scripture does say, and Jesus says, the day is coming, a day of judgment, a day of reckoning. And therefore, are you ready? And if you do believe that day is coming, what's your reaction? Are you fearful? And if you're fearful, then you've got to ask yourself, why? Is it because you're trusting yourself? Or do you think about that day, that day that's coming? And you do fear the Lord. And therefore, you look forward to that day with hope, with confidence, with joy. Because there is a day coming when all will be well. That's the Christian hope. When justice will be done, when the effects of sin will not be felt any longer, and that there will be peace. That's a day to look forward to. That's a day of joy. What about you today? If that day is coming, what's your reaction to it? Do you have confidence? that Jesus has paid for your sin and therefore you have nothing to fear. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's much in this passage today to teach us, much, of us to po- much in this passage for us to ponder. Because, Lord God, we do see the fate of the wicked we thank you, Lord God, that you're not a vindictive God, but you desire that people would come to you, put their faith and trust in you. But we recognize that you're a God of justice, a God of perfection, a God of holiness, a God who cannot abide sin in his sight. But Father, we thank you that you didn't just leave us to our own devices when we fell short of your glory. Firstly, you sent John the Baptist to prepare the way, calling the people to repentance and to trust in God once more. And then you sent your son, Jesus, the only one who could pay the price for sin, the one who is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who is our great high priest, the one who is the ultimate sacrifice, paying the price for our sin, past, present, and future. Father, we thank you that when we trust in him, then we have nothing to fear. Lord God, as we see at the end of Malachi that the people were looking forward to a day to come, Lord God, we recognize that Jesus himself also talked of a day that was to come, a day of reckoning, a day of judgment. Father, we believe that day is still to come because we recognize there is still sin in our world today. But Heavenly Father, If we come today and we are fearful of that day, we pray that you would help us to look within and to ask whether we are trusting in the Lord Jesus for our salvation 
or we're really just trusting ourselves. And for that, Father, for those of us here today who are trusting the Lord Jesus, help us to know everything that he brings. That he brings us confidence, forgiveness, hope, so that when we stand before you, Lord God, we have nothing to fear, nothing at all, but we can know joy and peace everlasting. So, Lord God, speak to us through your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.